0: So get out your Bible, put on your thinking cap, and hit that speed dial. Because here's the host of The Bible Live, your Apache Indian scout through the book of books, Soapy Dollar. Thank
2: you for joining us.
3: William, thank you for joining us tonight. My grandson William's here in the studio with us, and we're glad to have him on the air with us at... Age eight, we're we we're, we're training them up early. Like, your little sister was on a couple of weeks ago. Did you know that she cried on the air or something? I forgot what it was. <laughs> uh, <laughs> yeah, Stacy, mom, your mom is in the studio as well, right? Okay. <laughs> Stacy's here with me. We are ready to spend ninety minutes with you here on the airwaves across San Antonio in South Texas. And this is The Bible Live, your opportunity uh, through this, uh, this particular ministry to hear the entire Bible every year. We've recorded the New Living Translation by Tyndale Publishers, and we have a website, The Bible Live is the name of the website, thebiblelive.com. And you can go there, and every week, every weekday, Monday through Friday, there's a 15- to 20-minute reading from the Scriptures, and um, the systematic reading through the Old Testament and the New Testament, uh, we kind of alternate back and forth between them, and you can hear the entire Bible there on, on your own, or you can go at our pace each week and listen as well, and then... Tune in here on Sunday nights, and we discuss the passages that we read the week before. Now, right now, we are in the two great prophets preceding, that, that uh, preached to to Israel, uh, preceding the destruction of the temple by the Babylonians in 586 B.C., and the exile, 70 years of exile until 515 B.C. Uh, uh, by the Babylonians. And so uh, we we read this past week Isaiah. We've already read up to Isaiah chapter 40, the first 39 chapters, and now we read and focus our attention on the the, the other half of Isaiah, chapter 40 through 66. Now, remember that Isaiah prophesied, he preached, uh, that's uh, when when you say prophesy it 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 doesn't necessarily mean predictive uh predicting the future uh sometimes it does and that's part of the role of a prophet that God would give to confirm their message that he that it came from him uh and the you know the the old testament in particular is full of uh prophecies predictions that the prophets give that 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 um Kind of gives uh, uh, authority and con- confirmation to their messages uh, that they delivered to the people. And so uh, Isaiah prophesied from 740 BC to 686. Now, 686 BC is a hundred years, fully a hundred years before uh, Nebuchadnezzar is going to destroy uh, Jerusalem. Uh, And at this time, so we're going to look at some amazing predictions from Isaiah tonight. And a lot of them have to do with uh, the coming empires that are going to, uh, that the Medo-Persians are going to uh, conquer the Babylonians and so on and so on. And and other predictions about individuals, amazing predictions that Isaiah issued uh, long before they were reality uh and so we'll we'll look at those and many of the predictions have to do not only with with coming empires and and reigning of empires but all of them uh many of them have to do with the messiah because in chapter 40 Isaiah changes his tune, tune <laughs> I guess <laughs> I was going to say um uh, in the first 39 chapters uh, he talks about judgment. He, it, it, You know, I would just notice in Stace, uh, I was going through here and I was just reading the titles. You know, the, sometimes they have chapel headings. It says, Unfaithful <laughs> yeah. Jerusalem, uh, Warning of Judgment, Judgment Against Judah, A Warning to Jerusalem, A Song About the Lord's Vineyard, Judah's Guilt and Judgment, uh, uh, Israel's Cleansing, Mm-hmm. and call uh, a message for Ahaz, the sign of uh, Emmanuel. And, of course, he's predicting there the the Messiah in chapter 7. Mm-hmm. And in the coming Assyrian invasion, hope in the Messiah. Uh, and I guess you, you could pick up the tenor of those warnings, right. judgment, mm-hmm. you know, call to repentance over and over again. Now, that is the first 39 chapters of Isaiah, uh, that is generally the theme. He's he's announcing judgment. He even speaks to Moab, to surrounding countries, and announces judgment on them as well. Uh, basically, by the uh, by the Babylonians. But then in chapter forty, there's a dramatic turn from the message of judgment and call to repentance and so on. Uh, it's a in general, it's a it's a. Uh, it turns t- to a message of encouragement. Uh, just even the very first words of chapter 40, you can tell the difference uh, in in the book. Comfort, li- oh, let me see, let me find it here. <laughs> Isaiah chapter 40, restoration. Mm-hmm. And so it- it's a-, a mirror in some ways of the message of the entire Bible. And it is the most, it is the most, um, well, extremely predictive because he, he, he predicts the future uh, in so many different ways. But particularly is about the Messiah, wh- who he was, who he had characteristics of his personality, even his appearance, that he would have a very common appearance. He wouldn't be, right. you know, Hollywood tan- handsome. <laughs> he would be uh, kind of normal, uh, common folk. And he would uh, care for the downtrodden and he would heal and he would raise from the dead and, and over again. And we saw last week how Jesus quoted this even to John the Baptist. The the lame walk and the blind see tell tell John that this is what's happened, because he was showing John that he was indeed fulfilling the prophecies that the Scriptures have for the Messiah. So uh, here we go. We're, we're going to cover these final, this second section of the book of Isaiah this evening. Now, uh, do you remember the last thing we read in chapter 39? What the last thing that happened that is recorded in Isaiah chapter 39? You remember what it was? It's, so it's, a a it's a little wo- interesting. It's will put ago. you on the spot. I, I'm so sorry to <laughs> do, do that. I uh, yes. b- but it's that it's that little story thrown in there. It says soon after this, Merodach Baladan, son of Baladan, king of Babylon, mm-hmm. sent Hezekiah his best wishes and a gift. He had heard that Hezekiah had been very sick and that he had recovered. Remember that was Hezekiah's prayer. Fifteen years he was given. Mm-hmm. And Hezekiah was delighted with the Babylonian envoys and showed them everything in his treasure houses, the silver, the gold, the spices, and the aromatic oils. He also took them to see his armory and showed them everything in his royal treasuries. There was nothing in his palace or kingdom that Hezekiah did not show them.
1: Right. Yes. (laughs) Hezekiah. Oh, my. Wrong.
3: (laughs) Wrong. Then Isaiah said to the king, what did those men want and where were they? He said, they came from the distant land of Babylon. What did you, you show them in your palace? They saw everything. Oh, I everything. showed them everything uh, I own, all my royal treasures. And he said, mm, bad, Whoops. wrong, shouldn't have done that. Um, they have a long memory, these yes. Babylonians. You know,
1: what's interesting, though, is I think is it, uh, it is not that in Hezekiah's lifetime that he sees how foolish that was or experiences how foolish that was is that correct so it's um uh, it's hezekiah's it, it well that's
3: one of the funny things that hezekiah said after isaiah had talked to him mm-hmm. and told him he had 15 years and, and and then after that was going to come this and it, it, if you remember the he actually says Well, at least there'll be peace in my time. (laughs) So let my successor deal with it. You know, that's his problem, not mine. Right,
1: pretty much. It's going to be all right right.
3: in my... I think sometimes, like a president, will often say that, I'm sure. Well, we're going to have uh, inflation and we're going to have a downturn in the economy. And uh, the one president says, well, at least that'll be the next president's job, not mine. Uh, But that's that's kind of what... uh, that's what Hezekiah said after he re- received that announcement. No, so anyway, that, we're, maybe
1: that gives us some in, insight into Manasseh and, and how he was. How he was. He was not.
3: Oh yeah, the best. I suppose so. <laughs> well, you, you're exactly right because that is what we have to have in the back of our minds when you're reading Isaiah and Jeremiah. They are those. Both of those books are leading up to this dramatic climatic event mm-hmm. the destruction of Jerusalem mm-hmm. and the exile of of the uh, of the Jewish people into Babylon and uh, so Isaiah is a hundred years out still mm-hmm. He he's he's far ahead uh, he ministers for about 60 years actually long long uh, preaching and so on and calling people to repentance and turn and so on and telling uh, we'll look at some of these prophecies they're so amazing mm-hmm. uh, and then Jeremiah picks up the theme but he's closer to it and
1: he lives there he lives there yeah
3: they're it? watching mm-hmm. the world scene change mm-hmm. they're going to watch as uh, Cyrus defeats um no Darius defeats Belshazzar. Bals- Belshazzar, Balsh- mm-hmm. yeah and they're going to watch, remember Daniel talks about that right. in his book, the writing on the wall. Mm-hmm. And so they have that event and, and, uh, Darius, then the Medo-Persian king de- uh, defeats, uh, Belshazzar of the Babylonians and in the middle of a party, mm-hmm. they were having a, a thousand people at the party mm-hmm. and it was a, kind of a drunken a fest that they had. And, and, uh, Cyrus and his army, uh, or Darius and his army, came under the walls through the water system, mm-hmm. if I remember correctly, and defeated them that very night. Uh, and uh, Daniel tells about it in in the book of Daniel as well. And um, so, anyway, that is coming, and and the prophet sees these great movements of empires that are rising and falling and he uh, he tells you know he tells them in advance what's going to happen and who's going to rise and and so on it 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 really is astonishing if you take isaiah jeremiah along with uh along with daniel you have this incredible prediction of the empires that would rise and fall through the coming decades and centuries even um and and so the the message genuinely generally is stacy don't fight back. Now, sometimes we wonder why did the prophets, Jer- uh, uh, Isaiah and Jeremiah, why did God instruct them to don't fight back, don't fight against the Babylonians, don't, don't resist them, um, just take, you know, they're going to be they're, they're mm-hmm. the empire that's going to reign, just give in to them, and, and mm-hmm. it's going to be all right. Uh, I think there are a couple of reasons for it, one, is uh, of course, God knows that Daniel and the ones who are taken into exile are going to be there. And Daniel won a lot of respect and a lot of of, uh, reverence Mm -hmm. for, even reverence. Mm -hmm. Nebuchadnezzar actually seems to have an almost conversion experience at one time in his life. but they get a lot of respect for Israel, and and and, and so there's some built-in goodwill mm-hmm. Israel, and so their instruction was give into it, don't don't rile them, don't, and you'll be all, you'll come out all right. But they didn't do it, and, and uh, they rebelled. They killed the governor that the Babylonian emperor um, assigned over over Israel, and um, and it brought the house down, really, literally. Brought the temple down at least, mm-hmm. so that's that's the political reality that both Isaiah and Jeremiah are dealing with. They're they're in that mix, so it's a very sensitive time, particularly for Jeremiah. We'll see. Uh, he's called the weeping prophet because they just don't pay any attention at all to him, and uh, he actually they persecute him and oppress him and threaten him uh, even in Israel. So um, that's that's what we're going to look like look at and now we're we're considering this past week we read the second part of isaiah and um you know what maybe you want to take over and just give us a few thoughts
1: because i think the no, if i'm if i'm reading it correctly and if i'm understanding it correctly you know that message of hope and uh in the latter half is him writing as though the they have come through the exile. Mm-hmm. He's writing, so it's an interesting yeah. thing. to it's as if he has experienced it. Um, but this you have to, but realize he he died way before. before. So he's not just prophesying the fall, which would maybe be an easy thing to. I mean, you know, maybe. Oh yeah, I could have, I I could see that coming. Mm-hmm, you know, mm-hmm. we could see that happening.
3: Yeah, but, the Medo yeah. Persians are going to conquer right, Babylon. Right, right. Mm-hmm.
1: But to go the further further and and to be able to see
3: the uh, exile,
1: the exile, and then the return from the exile and mm-hmm. the hope and the and then of course the readings and you think, oh, I know that song. Oh, I know that song. So many songs. I mean, just beautiful. Right. You forget that he hasn't. He hasn't lived that. This is yeah. way before. So, I mean, it is. That's true.
3: Once you're into it reading, <laughs> you, it's almost like you're reading. From you're reading that he has, During that the is, exile. Right, or, right. Or, or during the restoration, return, mm-hmm. the return, mm-hmm. yeah.
1: But, uh, no, this is like a 100 years before. And uh, the other thing I think is just that is neat is he does still, though, go very seamlessly kind of back and forth from uh, a heart that is. Turned from God and a heart that is, you know, what is, that is, what is injustice exists, uh, that there's no just, and, and then, and then is a, and it's that remnant, it's that idea Mm -hmm. of the, and then, but the return, those that do see through it, those that do repent is the key, Mm um, factor, uh, that they will, see the glory, they will experience the joy, uh, joy in Zion, Zion. Joy
3: comes mm-hmm. in the morning. Right. <laughs> yeah. And so
1: it's just very, oh, it's it's very beautiful. Yeah, um, it
3: is. It is.
1: And I, uh, yeah, I guess another part that I thought was interesting was Isaiah even writing about um, armor, the armor. And you don't think, yeah, you always think of Paul as kind of mm-hmm, in Ephesians mm-hmm. making that connection about putting on the armor of the Lord and, or the armor.
3: Where is um, that, by the way? Do you well, have Ephesians
1: six is, of course, Paul's. Yeah, time, that's
3: that's Paul. But tongue. taking it
1: from um, Isaiah 59.
3: 59. and he goes
1: from oh, it's kind of I guess his warning against the sin. No one cares about being fair. They conceive evil deeds and give birth to sin. They've mapped out crooked roads, and no one who follows them knows a moment's peace. And I thought that was a very interesting way of. Um, it especially juxtaposing, you know, put on the armor of God, the the, mm-hmm. f- the feet, uh, uh, the righteous, uh, the feet. What is
3: the uh, his feet is, is shod it, with the uh, the
1: feet of the gospel of peace? P-
3: gospel of peace, mm-hmm. yes. yes.
1: And uh, he put on righteousness as his body armor and placed the helmet of salvation so on let's his take head. So
3: that's taken from Isaiah 59. 59.
1: Mm-hmm. Uh-huh. Well, the, origi- the original armor of God is Isaiah.
3: <laughs> how about that? Uh, he clothed
1: himself with a robe of vengeance and wrapped himself in a cloak of divine passion. Um, and that's, uh, you
3: know, I. He put on righteousness as his body armor and mm-hmm. placed the helmet of salvation on his head. Clothed himself with the robe of vengeance and wrapped himself in the cloak of divine passion. Wow, that's beautiful. Isn't I that's mean, a, yeah, Isaiah is really quite yeah. a poet. I mean, he's just uh, he's, hes just beautiful. Beautiful.
1: Uh-huh. And uh, I just, uh, yeah, you in those little ways. I think those are the things you know. We we know Isaiah. We know the famous verses. You know, uh, run and not grow weary, and of course all of the aside. But um, you know, you read that and you think, oh, hey, there's. There's the uh, armor of God. Yeah, right, we shouldn't be
3: surprised, <laughs> right. right? And and the only other thing I guess is when he predicts these things, one of the most astounding aspects of Isaiah is he abs- actually predicts the name Cyrus. of the Medo-Per- Medo-Persian emperor mm-hmm. that is going to allow Israel to, mm-hmm. the those in exile to return to to mm-hmm. the the promised land which is astounding mm-hmm. L- long before he's even born he names him by name yeah. and um I, I don't know maybe daniel reminds cyrus of of this and i don't know maybe that's part of what convinced <laughs> whoever, him to do it because wow this or guy whoever
1: named cyrus that <laughs> was like yeah. going to name him Cyrus.
3: How would they know? No. I mean, that's just astounding. Well, that's what we're going to talk about tonight. We're going to, we're going to kind of actually just kind of move through these scriptures of this uh, chapters 40 through 66. But we want to encourage you to give us a call as well. If we say something, uh, one of the prophecies, if there's something about the book of Isaiah, uh, or, or really any any aspect of the the Bible a question you might have or an observation you might have uh, a passage that has really been important to you maybe your pastor spoke on something that you feel like is really needs to be shared with the folks uh, you can give us a call anytime during the bible live broadcast and be a part of the program with us uh just give us a call two ten three four zero ninety five eighty five area code two 210- ten. Three four zero nine five eight five, and we're going to be looking for a chance to give away a series of books called God Understands. And so we'll uh, we'll ask a question somewhere along the line and see if someone can call with the answer to that. Uh, we, who knows? We could maybe give away a couple of those sets of books. Uh, we'll just see who who might want to call and, and uh, win those for sure. But if you'd like to call and comment on any scripture. Uh, or, or some aspect of what it means to know and walk with God and so on. Uh would be glad to take your call. And if you have a question, try to give it at least a perspective and, um, and a new perspective maybe that would be different for you. And then, of course, our listeners can also respond as well. So that's The Bible Live, 210-340-9585. And we're going to work our way through chapters 40 through 66 of the book of Isaiah this evening, just sort of commenting on all of these, these incredible, beautiful passages that we find in the book of Isaiah. So you're, you're welcome to join us. Let's enjoy this little journey. And then we'll get in this coming week for you to know we're going to move right on in from Isaiah to go right on into the book of Jeremiah. We're going to finish Isaiah, the reading of Isaiah, on Monday. And then Tuesday, we will start the book of Jeremiah uh, with Jeremiah's calling to ministry and so on. And uh, so you'll want to join with us for that as well, I hope. And then go to the website, thebiblelive.com. And you can uh, make that journey with us as we go through the entire Bible every year. All right, there's our music. We're going to take a quick break, and then we'll come back and start talking and discussing the book of Isaiah, chapters 40 through 66. Don't go away.
2: He wraps himself in light, and darkness tries to hide, and trembles at his voice, trembles at his voice.
1: to the Bible Live with Soapy
2: Dollar. good news is coming here comes your king prepare the way widen the wilderness make in the desert a broad highway lift every valley lay low the mountains then together his love we shall see
3: You're listening to The Bible
0: Live with Soapy Dollar. It's
2: like grass Lovely as a flower Soon withers and it fades Surely the people Fade, fade like, like a, a flower. flower But the <laughs> word right. of the Lord It stays Prepare right. the way Widen the wind
3: Well, some years ago, as part of our ministry with Campus Crusade, my bride and I traveled Europe with a a Christian band. Six pe- you people. You were so bred. cool, Dad. Oh yeah, I was so cool. Yeah, my long <laughs> they hair. They really were. Yeah. <laughs> and we traveled and toured for a couple of years there across Europe, and that was one of the great songs. There was a brilliant songwriter was part oh, of the yeah. forerunners, those and they wrote a lot of songs similar, from the scriptures. Mm-hmm.
1: Now I might be a little biased. I guess I grew up hearing yeah, them, but mm-hmm. truly, those are some of my favorite songs. Yeah,
3: yeah, I do ever. too. There, a lot of them are so well taken, mm-hmm. almost. You know, directly from the scriptures, yeah. and, and I remember the song uh, Psalm one thirty nine oh, is another one that, that they do. That uh, mm-hmm. so we'll 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 play one every now and then. But I thought that would be appropriate for this evening because we're talking about Isaiah, and that is a very well known uh, passage, Isaiah chapter forty, uh, talking about. Uh, prepare the way, the coming of the Messiah, and uh, in a way of predicting John the Baptist who came to prepare the way for Jesus as in he he was a herald who came before Jesus to announce the coming of the Messiah. So um, that's Isaiah chapter 40, a beautiful, and, and like you say, it is just, it is so interesting. The grass withers and the flowers fade beneath the Breath of the Lord, and so it is with people. The grass withers and the flowers fade, but the word of our God stands forever. What I mean, just incredible, beautiful lyrics, and and uh, thoughts, uh, very full of praise and worship. And and, uh, Isaiah has a magnificent, majestic view of God, and that's one thing that we it would help us as we read the book. To exercise for us as believers today to expand our understanding and our our worship and our admiration mm-hmm. for the greatness of our God, yeah. the goodness, His mercy, and everything about Him.
1: Which is uh, in Isaiah is the first mention of Emmanuel, meaning God yeah. with us, and yeah. so it, which is appropriate is as far as if, if Isaiah really you know he experienced Emmanuel, God with Him, God yeah. that would uh, account for. His language and his understanding.
3: Yeah, boy, I'd love to. Maybe in glory someday we'll meet Isaiah oh, and some absolutely. of these guys. Of course, Let's get to, you know, would we'll have to stand in line, I suppose. <laughs> right, that's right. <laughs> Take a ticket and wait in line to talk with him. But <laughs> I, I, I would just it's, uh, these men are so fascinating. These prophets, I'm, I'm, I'm really enthralled by. Yeah. They they were full of courage they they you know they they confronted the powers the political powers and, mm-hmm. and, and 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 even hostile crowds and i mean and they they did it with such courage and in, and at the same time it, at at some other times they were very you know confrontational, but then they were also very compassionate and weeping and calling on the people and mm-hmm. um they're just remarkable individuals, these prophets. Uh, of the Old Testament in particular. So, anyway, maybe someday we'll we'll get to visit with oh Isaiah. <laughs> <laughs> um, well, let's let's start our way our journey through. That was chapter forty and forty one. Uh, in chapter forty one, uh, I think Stacy, he announces for the first time that he says he he will use a king from the east to do uh, to bring the people of Israel back from exile. And uh, that's in uh, chapter 41, verses 9, and in verse 25. So here early on now, he's mentioning that they will come back from exile. They're going to be taken. He's already mentioned that. And uh, and uh, a, a king from the east will bring the one who will bring them back. Now, he's going to get more specific than that. Uh, and he And there's a phrase used over and over in the book of Isaiah, chosen servant mm-hmm. he's my chosen servant mm-hmm. and are different understandings and i and i think maybe even appropriately in the passage kind of you you mentioned a couple of things about that phrase to me earlier which i thought was really right on right on target about the chosen servant who that oh, represents
2: right
1: yeah well of course the I mean, jesus
2: mm-hmm. and
1: then uh, uh, and then his people the, the the church the people of god um and i i it's an interesting you know chosen servant so on one hand though you have kind of that armor of god language mm-hmm. which you don't see you don't think of as a as a servant um but that is that paradox that's that kind of that uh, upside down mm-hmm. language um he is powerful he is mighty he is truth he is uh, a warrior, he stands firm. He's a, and yet he's a servant, mm-hmm. uh, and so that language is kind of is very interesting. And I think that that's what we're called to also be in God's people. Uh, mm-hmm. You know the 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 way in which I, I love it. What is it Isaiah and um, that same. Let's see, I think it's in 60, uh, 59, mm-hmm. the redeemer will come to Jerusalem to buy back those in Israel who have turned from their sins, says the Lord. So the key, again, the key fight is just repentance. It's those that have repented and have turned to the Lord. Um, and so you wouldn't necessarily think. you. You know, again, you think of that maybe as a as a weakness, somebody that would repent or that would acknowledge mistake or that would. But that's the strongest, most eternal thing you could do and be. And that's uh, how you are called to be a chosen servant is Mm -hmm. to repent. And uh, and then that is that is the standing firm.
3: Um, I'm thinking in chapter 45 is when he mentions Cyrus as also. This is what the Lord says mm-hmm. to Cyrus, His anointed one, and that that in Hebrew is His Messiah. Mm-hmm. And Messiah uh, Cyrus here, which who is a, a pagan emperor, mm-hmm. uh, is called is referred to as a Messiah, mm-hmm. a, re- a redeemer, a deliverer, and he is going to be used by the Lord, a chosen servant, mm-hmm. to accomplish what God wants to accomplish with the exile to restore them to the land and, and, uh, restore them as a people. Mm-hmm. So you've got, uh, various uses of that phrase. Uh, the, his anointed one, his Messiah, his co- his chosen servant. Um, I, also I'm looking at chapter 43 that this, he, he talks about the Messiah it, that they, uh, he will help people to know God and share Him with the nations. Now that was oh, no that what I'm trying to say there is, is that that was the role of Israel as a servant. That right. was what God had called them to do: walk with God, know God, and to keep alive in the world the the vision and the the, uh, uh, the perspective of of the true and living God, the Creator. Uh, and, you know, all the specifics of the the attributes of God and so on.
1: Which is still today. Yeah. Are,
3: and well, it's still I mean. our, as we are now uh, Israel, we are mm-hmm. part of Israel and God's chosen servant. That's our job, too, is to keep alive that vision of God mm-hmm. and, and be salt, be light. Uh, be serving God and be be uh, a preservative in our culture, in our society, and in our world. Mm-hmm. Uh, so you've got that about the chosen servant. It's mentioned in chapters 41, 42, and 43. And then Isaiah takes a little, uh, very interesting. He takes a little uh, jab at those who, who worship idols. I, I think in chapter well, chapters chapter 44. It, it's a little bit of humor i, I think I, i'm is it is it isaiah's is isaiah trying to be funny here <laughs> i mean it's it's a very it's a very interesting image that he has right. uh he he talks about people who well, they they saw down a tree, or they take a big limb, mm-hmm. and and then they they make things out of it. Mm-hmm. And he and he makes fun. Of it. Go, go ahead and take it from there. What, what is he? Well, sure, he kind of makes fun of the fact that they
1: they would use half of it to warm up your home and to cook and to ask yeah. food or to cook for food, and then you use the other half to make an idol
3: to worship. To worship. <laughs> And, yeah. he, and he goes, "Whoa, that's kind of crazy!" You know, you, you kind of get the idea that there's a little bit the foolishness of idols. Mm-hmm. And he points out, uh, "Who who does that? Who who would take a a branch and then you right. use half of it to do this, and then and then you bow down and worship the other half of it? You know, it was, it's just crazy." Yeah, it's
1: the, it was the uh, it was his version of the Babylon Bee, maybe. I don't
3: know.
2: It, maybe I don't know so. if people yeah. to that,
1: but. Yeah, uh, and 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 you get that. I mean, that, what's interesting though is, of course, idolatry and false. That that's a huge. I mean, that. Yeah. For, so it's interesting to see him sort of joke about it or mock it, really. Um,
3: well, when he's talking it, about the absurdity of it. Yes, you know, the, the stupidity right. of a person who right. does that. That's, right. that's so crazy.
1: Right, and I and I think that. I mean he's already gone through the other I mean there are plenty of passages that talk mm-hmm. about how the where it leads to I mean the idolatry and I mean that's probably that's what's gotten everybody into this mess in the first yeah, place right um, and it's a serious thing but at the at the yeah at the heart of it is it's completely absurd and it makes no sense and he does it he he mocks it appropriately mm-hmm. uh, yeah. and it's great I think that he well well done <laughs>
3: Well, chapter forty-five, we move into um, this his discussion of Cyrus, the Lord's chosen one, and this is just so fascinating. He mentions by name, yeah. "I will go before you, Cyrus, and lead and level the mountains. I will smash down gates of bronze and cut through bars of iron. I will give you treasures hidden in the darkness, secret riches. I will do this so you may know that I am the Lord." The God of Israel, the one who calls you by name. And why have I called you for this work? Uh, It's just, it's it's so fascinating. He's writing this before this person even is born or lives. And uh, so that's our, our, it mentions Cyrus there. He's termed a Messiah.
1: Well, and I think that that kind of goes hand in hand with his absurd, the, the language that he uses to mock. These false gods. I mean, Isaiah has no. He, he is so uh, trusting of God and of the of truth and of the and of who God is and of His prophecy that he's willing to even put himself out there and give specifics and details. And it's in chapter six that you know he compares idols and false gods who have no power with the one true and living God who alone is able to predict what's going to happen right before it happens and isaiah you know isaiah like, look at these you know it's it's wood and you're worshiping it when the one true and living god can tell you that in so many years cyrus yeah. is going to and to boldly proclaim the that contrast to, is just exactly incredible and so yeah. it's you know, I leave it to Isaiah to say it every way which possible, mm-hmm. and to also like give the experience of it as well. Yeah. Uh, the reading and of the even experience.
3: insert a little humor, maybe mm-hmm. I, I, it could be a part. Right. I, I noticed though in chapter forty-five as well. Uh, I want to read a little bit from verse uh, twenty-three, and see if our listeners recognize this. Isaiah says. Um, God God is speaking. I have sworn by my own name. I have spoken the truth, and I will never go back on my word. This is God speaking. Every knee will bend to me, and every tongue will confess allegiance to me. The people will declare, The Lord is the source of my righteousness and strength, and all who are angry with him will come to him and be ashamed. Uh, and the Lord, all the generations of Israel and God's people, will be justified, and in him they will boast you recognize that i that uh, every knee shall bow every tongue yes. will confess i i, I wonder if paul kn- right,
1: <laughs> i'm pretty exactly. sure paul he must knew have, isaiah <laughs> yeah
3: he must have used that where is that in in um, what does paul use that phrase uh, in Philip in philippians chapter 2 uh-huh. i believe it is uh, he uses that same phrase, every knee sh- God has given him a name which is above every name, that at the name of Jesus every knee shall bow, every tongue will yes. confess. Good job.
1: Philippians two eleven.
3: There it is. So uh there we you see the, the unity of the scriptures for sure there. Now um he predicts that A king, an emperor named Cyrus, will defeat Babylon and and allow the Jewish exiles to return to Israel. That's in chapter forty-five. In chapter forty-six, he uh, does what Stacy mentioned before. In chapter forty-six, Stacy mentioned that he contrasts those who worship idols and false gods; they have no real power. Uh, whatsoever and they contrast them with this one true and living God who alone can tell what is going to happen even before it happens and and of course Isaiah is giving us over and over again um, examples of of telling predicting the future and telling what is going to happen uh, in the near future in the medium range future and long range future as well. Uh, some of these prophecies can be taken in that way. He talks about uh, his anointed one will come to Jerusalem where well, Jesus went to Jerusalem to pay that ultimate price for us on the cross. Um, and so we, we can see that prediction. Some of these predictions have multiple Interpretations, maybe a immediate one, maybe an intermediate, and maybe a long range uh, fulfillment of the prophecy as well. So that that is a characteristic of the prophecies that we'll be reading here in Isaiah, and later on in Jeremiah as well. Um, in chapter forty-seven, Isaiah predicts the rise of an empire to world domination. And then he predicts its destruction in 150 150 years before it happened. Very fascinating. He predicts the rise of the Babylonian Empire. Remember, he's already warned uh, Hezekiah about letting this uh, king of Babylon. It was before Babylon had risen to great world power. But he already warned him about the danger of doing that, letting him see his riches and his wealth. And he predicts then in Isaiah 47 that uh, Babylon is going to rise to world domination. And then he also predicts that that Babylon will be destroyed. Uh, uh, And this was 150 years before that happened. So Isaiah then again is telling them uh, what's going to happen, who's going to rise, and so on. He reminds me in some senses right here. Of, um, of perhaps of Daniel. Daniel also talks about Babylon, and then he talks the Medo Persians, and then he talks about uh, Alexander the Great who defeats them, and then he talks about Rome who defeats, who comes out of the uh, the failure of the uh, the, the the Greek. Uh, empire. So, th- in some ways, here Isaiah is pre- he predictive, and he's anticipating even the work of Daniel. I wonder. Hmm. No, he would not have known Daniel because Daniel was not born yet, as well. Uh, so, but evidently, somehow or other, there was a link, and that was link was God's Spirit uh, tying together their predictions and speaking. His truth to each of them in their time in their moment, and um, and they they deliver the same message. Now moving forward in chapter forty eight of of Isaiah, uh, the prophet says God has chosen Cyrus as his ally, and now Cyrus. uh, Here's the the here's the the chronology. Here's the calendar. Uh, prediction: Nebuchadnezzar was Nebuchadnezzar was uh, emperor of Babylon, and then Belshazzar came after him, and then uh, then Darius was the first was the Persian uh, who defeated Belshazzar of Babylon that we read about in Daniel, and so Daniel Darius is the first. Then Cyrus of the Medo Persian uh, he follows he. He is a successor to Darius, and he uh, he is the one who releases the Jews to return to Israel. So that's the chronology that Isaiah predicts and tells. And he's speaking as if it's it, to some degree already happened, happened in these chapters, these predictive chapters of Isaiah, chapters uh, 40 through 66. Um, there's another interesting prediction here in in chapter 49 let me bring this up real quickly because this is one that I think a Jewish friend of mine has really emphasized this the fact that no human being no human being no individual human being has brought more men and women Human beings from around the world, from all different countries and uh, times and ages and, and uh, different generations, no human being has brought more human, more uh, humans, more people to worship the true and living God, the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. No human being has gotten more people and and caused more people to worship. The God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. Then, the Messiah. Uh, then, uh, then Jesus of Nazareth. He is the only. And that's one of the things that's predicted in Isaiah uh, chapter forty-nine. Look in Isaiah chapter forty-nine, verse six, it says, "And now the Lord speaks, the one who formed me in my mother's womb to be His servant." who commissioned me to bring Israel back to him. The Lord has honored me, and my God has given me strength. You will do more than restore the people of Israel to me. I will make you a light to the Gentiles, and you will bring my salvation to the ends of the earth. The Lord, the Redeemer, the Holy One of Israel, says to the one who is despised and rejected by the nations, to the one who is servant of rulers, kings will stand at attention when you pass by. Princes will also bow low because of the Lord, the faithful one, the Holy One of Israel, who has chosen you. And he's speaking here of the coming Messiah, the, the promised Redeemer and Savior of the world, the entire world, and how he would bring, uh, bring to God God. Many, many generations and many millions of people—not just Israel, uh, from Israel, but from Gentiles uh, from around the planet Earth—and that's that is something that we see a prediction there in Isaiah 49, a very a dramatic prediction that we see fulfilled totally and absolutely in Jesus of Nazareth as well. The this um, Messiah, this Redeemer, this chosen servant. Uh, that is spoken of here in Isaiah. Uh, there is Israel is a chosen servant. Cyrus is a chosen servant. But the the ultimate cho- chosen servant, the Messiah, uh, is that one that's been predicted all the way back from Genesis, uh, all the way through the Hebrew Scriptures, all the way through the history of Israel, this Messiah has been mentioned and predicted that there would come a righteous judge, a righteous king who would who would serve the people and, and protect the people and who would do justice. And, and now Isaiah is picking up on that theme as well. Um, he, he talks about, uh, in chapter 50, Isaiah talks about those. Uh, I'll give you this. Uh, in chapter 50, verse 11 of Isaiah, he talks about people who live in your own light and warm yourself by your own fires. People who live in your own light and warm yourselves by your own fires. Who is Isaiah talking about in chapter 50, verse 11? All right. If you'd like to give us a call, I'd like to hear from you. 210-340-9585, chapter 50, verse 11. And if you can call and answer that question, who is Isaiah talking about in chapter 50, verse 11? people who live in your own light and warm yourselves by your own fires, if you can tell us who that is, we have a a gift that we'd like to give to you, a little bit of a way of saying thank you for calling in, being a part of the program, 210-340-9585, don't go away, the Bible Live will come back for our final segment just after just a couple of minutes, see you then.